Welcome to a dialogue on accountability in the digital age. A dialogue with representatives of a global multi-stakeholder community. And I'm your host, Fritz Bussemaker, and today I'm delighted and privileged to have a conversation with Jacques Ruse Brandao. Jacques, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Allow me to introduce Jacques. Uh, you are the current, uh, the global head of advocacy cybersecurity services at SGS in Germany, a member of the board of directors of the European Cybersecurity Organization. Uh, you're also part of the Alliance of IoT Innovation, where you are the core lead of standardization in cybersecurity, member of Charter of Trust, and you have well over 25 years experience in ICT around cyber, drones, digital identity, with companies like NXP, but also with the European Commission and more. So, uh, Jacques, a very solid, strong background uh, indeed. And the main topic today is we're going to talk about the cyber physical ecosystems and what we need to organize. Again, Jacques, thank you and welcome to the program. Now, uh, for today's talk, uh, I just summed up just a very brief overview of your vast background. Um, from what perspective uh, will you be having a conversation today? Well, the idea was to um, talk about the risk classification of IoT devices. Um, okay. The idea came up um, when we discussed the how or oh, whether there is guidance available from an manufacturer to classify IoT devices which they develop. So, okay. for example, um, appliances or routers or smart home detector, uh, smart smoke detectors in your home or in the in the nuclear facility. Um, it's a similar device, but um, you need to think about what kind of um, cybersecurity functionalities need to be implemented in the design process into a device based on a, on a risk-based approach. Because everybody's talking about a risk-based approach these days, whenever it's about new legislation or requirements. Um, and of course, this is correct and, and, and uh, need to be taken into account, but how to do a risk classification, right? Okay, so, that's, a, that's a great, no, that's a great uh, question. And that's where we have discussion about, but that seems like that is based from the Alliance of IoT Innovation. Am I correct? You're completely correct. That was the idea why IoT, uh, why the AOTI, the Alliance of IoT Innovation, because there are so many members in that association who are manufacturer, who are operator of devices, who develop devices as a, as a third party to manufacturers. So there is a there is the complete ecosystem in place which contributed to this approach. Uh, proposal is a proposal, right? Um, and which everybody can make use of, uh, at least as a starting point, um, and also towards uh, policymakers to, let's say, think about uh, where to start um, when it comes about when when it's about standardization requests, um, because this is not available today. So we asked, we started to ask the question, uh, where is there a standard which can which we can make use of or which uh, the manufacturer or the operator can make use of um, but there wasn't so we started really to to fr from scratch <laughs> and we thought uh, about okay what do you need to think about if you start developing a device and um, we finally found out that it is also important to also um, do this um, kind of lesson um, from an operator approach 
because um, as an operator, you are in a position that you know where this device will be operated. While the manufacturer is usually not in the in the possession or in the uh, he has not the the, uh, the capability to to know where the device will be operated later on, so you need both sides, and so we start trying to take both uh, views into account, um, and finally um, um, get to to that uh, mapping tool, which everybody can make use of. Great. So this uh, this sounds like an industry-led or at least a multi-stakeholder-led initiative. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and also, um, AIOTI, the Alliance of IoT Innovation, has several working groups from different uh, segments. So mm -hmm. they really look into manufacturing, into into water, into mobility. So various domains are covered, and we ask all these domains to participate the discussion around that uh, Respectra tool. Um, and uh, we received lots of comments and contributions and. Uh, um, um, to, to get finally to a yeah, final proposal, I would say, um, which can maybe used um, for a starting point for a standardization request. I got that. Now, you already alluded in the beginning to a couple of examples of what type of advices uh, we're talking about. Maybe you can give me a, a little, a, some more examples in the audience of what we should be thinking of. So what we what we should think of um, basically we we started uh, with different spectra risk spectra meaning we the the idea was to so what is influencing the risk of a device in general and uh, we started with the uh, with the connectivity of a device so think about a router or let's say um, let's start with a sensor, maybe. A sensor is uh, in a smart home is only connected to your router and it might be connected to one connectivity solution, which is uh, possibly Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, Zigbee, Z-Wave. And in AOTI, uh, some years ago, we counted more than 320 different communication or kind of connectivities. Okay. AP. So um, of course, maybe there are not so many used now nowadays in, in the smart home. Um, and we may reduce that amount of different uh, uh, connect types of connectivity to uh, the one I meant, the ones I mentioned. But um, you need to take each and every into account because each and every has a different implementation in your device. So this is a starting point. So if there is only one API, um, one kind of connectivity in your device, you, maybe Bluetooth, then you need to secure this kind of communication, meaning Bluetooth, secure Bluetooth. And it's available. There's a solution available, which makes use of secure elements. Uh, so it's, it's stored where, where uh, credentials are stored securely, where you can um, initiate a secure, um, let's say, onboarding process into your network where you can uh, come um, in establish secure communication channels, where you can establish secure software updates and firmware updates um, until end of life of a device. So um, you this is a starting point, right? Just the connectivity. But at the same time, um, you may look at the hardware of the device. So which, whether there are some, some, um, some physical connectors in that device, which uh, might be used by an attacker. 
If the attacker gets the uh, gets um, such a device into his hands because he buys it in a shop or at eBay or wherever, then uh, he's able to destruct the device and look into it very carefully and and, and very deep in, in into the device, and he would maybe be able to to realize where the weak points are of that device. So you need to to look into. Um, each of those um, physical connectors, for example, individually, and then uh, decide how to uh, what what kind of risk is behind. And we uh, mapped three different risk levels, just three. Otherwise, it's getting it's getting too complicated. Okay. So risk level one, two, or three. And then you decide whether this is um, uh, relay or map can be mapped the risk to risk level one, two, or three. Very simple. So Jacques. You come to you bring me to a point where I need to ask: um, Could you please define what a risk is in this case? Um, so first of all, a, a risk is is the probability between um, um, of, a, of an of an event which happens over time uh, in a in a in a certain environment, um, and of course the 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 um, the probability defines then um, how to mitigate later on. Um, but you need to look into the cyber um, uh, circumstances, the, the cyber physical ones, the physical ones, um, and you need to do it continuously, or maybe not continuously, but um, you need to take the dynamic character of today connected IoT devices into account. That means you, 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 you start uh, with the risk assessment um, in your development process, or even you need to look at what kind of third-party software or hardware components you make use of in your development process of the IoT device, and then your risk uh, assessment already starts until the end of use of the operation of the device in the field or in the in the environment <laughs> where this is where this is operated. Bless you. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I follow, I'm, I'm following you. So it's not, um, so risk is dynamic, depends on the context. Uh, and that can I also translate that the, the same route you mentioned earlier, I can use that for my home, uh, then the risk is lower than if I'm going to use it for within a mission critical uh, environment, uh, then exactly the same system is going to be applied be, uh, in, within, in a different uh, risk environment. Exactly, but as the manufacturer is responsible for the technical capabilities of the device, he need to take all these risks into account, right? Maybe he need to communicate that he implemented certain cybersecurity features into the device based on a certain risk assessment. And then you need to communicate that risk assessment to the user. Um, and then the user can decide whether to make use of that device in his environment, or he need to, to he need to the uh, to select another one in in his particular environment, which contains probably uh, the cybersecurity features to mitigate the higher risks. Okay, so uh, can I imagine that somewhere, uh, I mean, now in a shop as a consumer, I could buy a router again that example and say uh, i just read oh this has this particular risk classification so i know by buying this i should use it for this situation but i should not be using it for that situation because it's not being designed for that i would say yes but unfortunately the cybersecurity maturity level of of end users in the consumer market is not that high to be honest that means um but, okay they are very often 
the same question also applies for a B2B environment. If somebody uh, does something in a professional, you still need to know the same thing. Exactly, exactly. So you need to, first of all, you need to have an, an informed um, consumer or customer in front of you to be able to decide on, to, to make his own risk assessment, and then to be able to, to differentiate uh, which device maybe maps to his needs and which kind of cybersecurity features he wants uh, implemented in that device um, based on his particular risk assessment or risk classification. Um, yeah, I think that's an important point. We, we, have, we see several um, activities in the field to raise that cybersecurity maturity level of users, either con end consumer or, or business. Um, but unfortunately, we are not, not there where we would like to be. Yeah, no, okay. So, uh, and by the way, is that also a part of your own charter? So it's not just providing the mapping. I can also imagine that once you have the mapping, you can advise manufacturers to say, well, look, if that's the type of device you want to bring to the market, I would recommend to use that technology, but not that technology, given the, the difference in risk that technology offers. Of course, of course, and there are plenty of, of uh, um, consultants in the field, uh, in, the, in the ecosystem, who would be able to do such a recommendation. Um, we as SGS are usually more in the, in the we, we maybe do a pre-assessment, but uh, finally we are the ones who evaluate the, the proper implementation of the cybersecurity features in, in the device. Um, and therefore are not in a position to, um, to, to consult because we, we are either doing, either or doing, right? So this is important. Um, you need to be an independent, uh, impartial um, partner of our customers to do the evaluation of, of, of a kind of implementation. Okay. But, but yeah. of course, um, there are plenty of, of, uh, um, of consultants in the field. And I also, um, let's say, um, promote, ask, uh, ask your hacker. <laughs> ask, <laughs> yeah, because they also need to, to earn money and they yeah. have the capability to look into the device and they give you a good report. Um, but of course, uh, this report can also be done over by, a, by, a, by a cybersecurity lab of SGS. Okay. Now... I'm going to be very operational. The, the, this instrument, this framework you have developed, is that ended, at the end of the day, a, a set of documents, papers you can read on and read what the criteria are you should uh, uh, follow or not? That's basically um, what it is? Yes. First of all, it's, it's, a, it's a paperwork. So yeah. it's, a, it's a kind of recommendation, a guidance, uh, where to start, um, a guidance um, on on, um, on what kind of uh, spectra you need to take into account and what kind of uh, risk categories you need to look at per risk spectra. So okay. if we talk about the risk spectra, then it's, uh, it's uh, as I mentioned, uh, you may start with the connectivity of the device, of the hardware um, of, of, of the device. But then you go further into functionality. What kind of functionality is, is, um, has the device? What kind of application does the device have? Is it a very simple application or is it a very complex application which contains uh, higher risks or other kind of risks? Um, you may look into what kind of data is, is, is being, let's say, generated, transferred, stored, or processed in the device. Then we are talking about whether this data is uh, 
uh, personal identifiable information. So then it's it's about the GDPR, about the General Data Protection Regulation, and then you, we need to talk about data protection. So how is this data protected in the device? Um, is it is it encrypted or not? And and how is it stored? At what point? At what time uh, is it encrypted? By uh, where are the credentials which are used to encrypt that, such data? Um, um, and then you need to probably need to ask, okay, what kind of uh, personal identifiable information is that? Is it, uh, is it an IP address? Is it uh, your 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 birth date, or is it your address, or is it a biometric data like mm -hmm. facial data or or fingerprint data uh, in the device stored? So then you may need, or this may be mapped to a higher risk than uh, if you have just uh, data which is not related to 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 people um, or to the user um, of the device. So um, it ends up in risk in different risks, right? Got that. And I, may I assume that you you've, you start off talking about individual devices, but uh, may I assume this framework also covers the complete architecture? So the combination of all the various advisors, uh, devices? So um, so first of all, so we started to look into the IOC's, IoT centric uh, approach. So we look really at the device itself. It's a starting point. Um, of course, you th this is not enough um, because you need to put this device into a into a uh, context. Um, the device only does not work without any application. And there might be an app available in the field which uh, makes use of the device. Think about smart home applications, making uh, use of, of uh, various kind of sensors, uh, water sensors, air humidity, um, uh, lighting, uh, air conditioning, heating. There are hundreds of sensors available in the field which can be adapted to a certain um, smart home control system um, from different uh, from different manufacturers probably they have only one in common which is the in the the communication interface because they all they they may they they aligned on a certain uh, protocol and then that's why they can talk to each other um, but often, unfortunately, often the cybersecurity requirements uh, have not been discussed between these two parties. Um, and this needs to be taken into account um, when you look into the, the, system, the system. So um, I think the, the Cyber Resilience Act today um, calls it uh, ancillary services. Ancillary services are services that make use of the device and uh, um, Hope uh, will be addressed or are supposed to be addressed in the Cyber Resilience Act, for example. Okay, and that's the Cyber Resilience Act uh, designed by the European Commission in this case. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. It uh, should. Uh, so I think the 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 main approach is um, to to make a bridge between the existing NLF uh, and the CSA, the Cyber Secure uh, the Cyber uh, Security Act, okay. which uh, with the Cyber Security yeah. uh, Cyber Security Certification Framework, uh, which contains the Cyber Security certification schemes on one hand and on the other hand we have the new legislative framework with different directives uh, for example the machinery directive um, or the RED the radio equipment directive and so several uh, directives which um, are in place today already focusing on the risk related to safety so they are really looking into safety um, and did not take cybersecurity into account so far so that's why there are reviews there will be a new red a new machinery directive etc um, but um, they are looking only into 
very few baseline requirements. While if we look into cybersecurity, um, uh, attack vectors and threat uh, threats in, 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 in this domain, then or in several domains, then we see a lot of more requirements, uh, which we need to take into account, depending on the risk, uh, on one hand, and we also need to take different assurance levels into account, because all these, uh, who does the assessment and who will verify such assessments or such, uh, such implementations is also uh, critical, um, because Maybe on a low level, on a baseline level, um, self-declaration of conformity may be sufficient uh, regarding the implemented some cybersecurity features, but on a higher, um, uh, where the risk is higher, there might be the need for um, third-party assessments um, by third-party cyber labs. Yeah. Like Even in that situation, uh, I can imagine that um, you then could get in a situation where the risk might be high enough that you need a third-party assessment, but then uh, the, 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 the party being assessed might want to reduce the risk, so it leads to self-assessment. So how do you deal with that situation? That was exactly the starting point uh, in the beginning because uh, the complete NLF is based on a risk assessment by the manufacturer. Okay. So the manufacturer decides on the risk and the uh, and how to mitigate such risks. So today, as we learned, um, the NLF is looking into safety and usually um, those engineers designing an IoT device uh, we're really looking into safety since decades. They really know about safety and how to, how to, to mitigate risk related to safety. Um, but unfortunately, those uh, colleagues are very often not capable of, uh, or they simply don't know the cybersecurity risks. So they need to ask a third party, um, which, is, which knows the threats uh, in the cybersecurity domain. So coming from the cybersecurity world, um, to take those risks also into account. And this is often not the case. So finally, this ends up in a risk uh, um, assessment only to safety. Um, and not, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think this is uh, the, 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 the gap here. And that's why basically we started this, um, this approach, uh, creating a guideline for the manufacturer, for the operator to also take those cybersecurity risks into account and be able to map those to different risk levels. It's not about the mitigation, right? So we're not talking about mitigation because mitigation could be uh, very different and you can mitigate risks on a, in a different way with different technologies. Those technologies might change. Um, and so we, the approach was to really um, start with a, with a very generic approach um, that everybody can make use of. It. It's very simple. Um, it's a very simple tool you can uh, start with easily. Okay, hey, Jacques, I got uh, three more questions for you. Uh, first of all, um, how did the European Commission react I mean, uh, when you came up with this framework? I mean, open arms or to know um, we're not interested? Um, indeed, with open arms, because they understood, okay, th th this is really missing. There was, uh, no nobody could answer the question of whether there is an IoT classification or risk assessment which leads to a classification of IoT devices in place. So there wasn't in something in okay. place. And that's what, okay. what they realized. So we invited JRC to the discussion and JRC was uh, very interested and also um, um, contributed with, with ideas to the tool. Just to confirm, JRC stands for? 
the Joint uh, uh, Research Center of the European Commission. Great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, one question I had for you. Secondly, um, you've just described basically what this mapping tool is. It's a set of papers with a, a, a little guideline. Um, have you considered or has the, the Alliance considered uh, different instruments to reach the same objective? Um, well, um, of course, there's always the idea of uh, um, whether there is something, uh, an alternative available for that. Um, there is the discussion around the RID, about the Radio Equipment Directive, and the um, and, a, um, and what kind of risk assessment uh, would be um, or could be used um, only to the RED, while the RED today is not um, taking risk into account, but just ask for certain mitigations. So if you, and this need to be evaluated or, or uh, can be self-declared on a, on a low level, um, so it does not take the risk into account. And this is, um, uh, so it just, it just covers a minimum baseline requirement for um, connected devices. Okay. But, but there is no alternative uh, available today. Um, that's why we started with, the, with this tool. I got that. Now, who do you see as your audience uh, for this framework as the users? I mean, you already mentioned policymakers, manufacturers. Are there other groups as well which could make use of this framework? Um, very important uh, for me is the procurement departments, okay. because the procurement departments decide on on um, on the let's say what will be used in the next years into your in your network. So if and that is the user, basically the consumer for his own own smart home or or uh, 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 let's say smart home environment, for example, just to, to mention an example. But um, procurement departments in companies, they are um, they are part of the complete supply chain, and this is also something we need to take into account. Um, and and I mentioned this in the beginning. Um, in the design process, you need to decide already what kind of components you are uh, you use in your design process. And this is the hardware components, the software components, and usually the procurement department is deciding later on, on the functionality. So first of all, the designer gives a proposal, but uh, finally the, the procurement department decides then on uh, which hardware will be used huh? and uh, which component in the hardware will be used, which kind of uh, um, security components in the hardware will be used. And uh, so they also need to have a cybersecurity maturity level uh, uh, to raise their own cybersecurity maturity level to be able to, to do such an informed decision in the procurement process. Okay. Uh, final two questions. First of all, what's the formal status of the current tool, uh, version 1.0 or still a pilot? <laughs> Where are we? Um, I would say it's a kind of 1.0. 1, 1 
Um, we are very open to receive feedbacks, comments, uh, concerns, uh, whatever, um, on that tool. So please make use of it. Um, and we are happy to share um, later on, maybe on the website, the, the, the links to the, to the tool itself. And you can download it there and make use of it. And please, um, we're very open for feedback, uh, either anonymous or, um, uh, or by name. So you, um, we are happy to implement those uh, comments into the tool um, as we want to learn. Yeah? It's, IoT is an ecosystem play. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's, the echo, it's the play between the manufacturer, the operator, yeah. the policymakers, the users. And um, it only works if we take all the different opinions into account. Yeah. And this is start, it starts with the risk uh, uh, assessment and the risk classification of such IoT devices. Oh, we'll make sure to include the right link uh, in the description of the video. Uh, final question. Uh, we're talking in the context of accountability in the digital age. How will this tool help with uh, accountability? Of course, if you start thinking about risks, um, it's you, you do this with a duty of care um, principle thinking. So if you if you want to take care um, of your consumers, of your users, of your devices, um, then you need to take those kind of different risks into account. And of course, this uh, also, um, let's say, demonstrate your accountability for the society, um, the accountability for, for your customers. Um, and I can only recommend to, to, um, to communicate your approach. Because if you take those things into account, um, you can communicate it and then you are ahead of your competition. And this uh, gives a very good reason to also have a little higher price, for example, for your device um, than um, uh, compared to your competition, which probably um, does other things or but not the right ones uh, when it comes to cybersecurity. Now, Jacques, I want to thank you so much for sharing uh, the insights on the, this newly developed uh, tool. So the device-centric IE2 security risk uh, spectrum mapping tool. I think you need an acronym. Uh, it, it's quite a long term. Uh, so that's my final feedback. But no, uh, thank you for sharing why that tool is developed, for whom it's developed, and what it could lead to. So. Uh, no, it, it will lead to a more accountable world and the world is moving. World Economic Forum calls it the fourth industrial wave to a cyber physical world. So we do need to control and manage those technologies out there. Thank Absolutely. you for sharing how we're doing that. Thank you for the possibility to talk to you with you.